Hello and welcome to another edition of the ANA Marketing Futures Podcast, member of the ANA Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike Burbridge. The term digital native gets thrown around a lot, but our guest today is the real deal. George Popstefanoff, founder and CEO of digital agency PMG Learned Coding in a foreign language, no less, when he was just a kid and was part of his university's second ever class of e-business majors. George and I discuss the advantages digitally native companies have when entering non-digital spaces and explored PMG's three horizons of innovation. Grab your notebooks, folks. This episode's one to remember. Get up, stand up. It's time to start the show. All right, everyone. We're back in my favorite place on the planet, and that is the ANA Marketing Futures Podcast Virtual Studio. And today we've got a CEO and a founder, and that's always some great stories and some great energy. So uh, without any further ado, I'd like to welcome George Popstefanov, CEO and founder of PMG to the podcast. George, thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, Michael. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm very excited to be on today. That makes two of us, my friend. That makes two of us. Uh, but before we go... Um, just getting into to your story and everything like that, I'd like to set a little bit of a baseline uh, with our listeners. Could you tell uh, our listeners a little bit about yourself and how your journey led you to founding PMG in 2010? Yeah, thank you. I'm actually originally from Macedonia, a small little country north of Greece. It's called North Macedonia as of recently. And uh, I came here as a 17-year-old. I always believed in... Uh, kind of digital and technology. I started playing with computers when I was relatively young. I believe my dad bought me a Commodore 64 when I was seven, eight years old. And I learned how to program in basic. Unfortunately, when he actually bought the computer, uh, he bought it in Germany and it was all written in German. And so I had to kind of teach myself how to read German so I can learn how to program. But so my initial love with uh, technology and coding began at a pretty early age. And then when I was 17, I was really begging my friends, like, you know what? I want to go to the States and learn data, learn technology, really expand my education. And they put me through an exchange program. And so I came as my senior year of uh, high school. And after that, I absolutely loved being in the States and decided to go to school. And actually, which is an interesting story, one of the schools that I was looking at it was TCU, Texas Christian University in Fort Worth. And in early 2000, they were the first program in the U.S. to have a degree in e-business. And this is about oh, wow. doing business on the internet mm -hmm. and everything else. And I love the program because it was really a combination of marketing and then how do you build shopping carts and transacting on the internet and everything else. And uh, at the time, there was a very innovative company called Radio Shack that was based out of Fort Worth. And they donated a lot of money to the school at TCU to build the Tandy Corporation e-business lab in partnership with wow. Microsoft, uh, which is really one of the main reasons why it made me uh, choose and go to TCU. And so, you know, I enrolled and I believe I was the second class to graduate with an e-business uh, degree. And what was interesting is um, I believe I, my thesis was on actually buying shoes online was one of the first thing that I was working on my senior project. And I believe I had a very big debate with my, uh, with my professor at TCU related to it because, you know, she did not believe that, especially the women category would buy shoes online because you cannot try them on. And so 
today she actually invites me to go back and give presentations to graduating students and everything else. And I always tell the story of, you know, in early 2000, nobody really believed about technology and, um, you know, really buying goods, especially retail goods online. And so from there I graduated and uh, there was not much going on in e-business e-commerce. It was 2004 when I got out of PCU. And so I landed a job with an agency called Range Online Media. It was a small little company actually in Fort Worth, Texas. And they were doing some incredible work with really big retail brands like Nike and Burberry and Kohan and others. And so I was there for a while and I got to really see uh, the uh, transformation of what this uh, agency was doing for some really big e-commerce brands and big global brands. And I loved it. And after being there for about six, six and a half years, um, you know, we became part of a really big holding company, Din Suigius at the time. And so I thought it was time for me to do something on my own. And so uh, I left uh, Range uh, in 2010 and then decided to start PNG and really focused on a data-driven e-commerce and business transformation company. And we've kind of been on the journey ever since then. My goodness. You know, we talk a lot about digital natives in terms of companies, but to hear it on a personal level uh, is just so cool. So from somebody who was learning German and coding at the same time and had the idea for Zappos before Zappos, I'm not surprised that PMG is so successful. Um, but do you think specifically when you kind of grew the business out and Oddly, as a lot of digital native uh, companies do, went full circle and began to expand into non-digital spaces. Did you think that the mindset, the setup of being a digital native gave you an advantage when you were going into those spaces? Yeah, you know, I, it's interesting and great question. For me, I believe every company has some components that are digital, especially in today's environment, right? And so, especially with the pandemic and, you know, hopefully we are, at the two-year mark and we are on the other side of this and and you know and, and we kind of use it as a great learning example in life and business but uh i i believe that any business has some type of digital component to it but for us i mean yes it gave a massive advantage to us and i'll talk a little bit later about the advantage that gave us from our working style perspective right there's many companies were not digitally native that had to go from being in office and collaborating to really jumping on Zoom or any other video platform and having the ability to collaborate and work. But as we expanded beyond digital media and digital strategy into other things, which is business strategy or insights or consulting or creative, I felt like we, we've had an amazing advantage because one of the things you have to be really good in digital to be successful is you have to be agile. Like things constantly change in the digital space between publishers, between marketplaces, between auction models and everything else. And so agility is really core and key. The second thing is really unparalleled focus on execution. And I know that's something that is not very exciting for many people to talk about being great at execution, but to be great at digital, whatever that is, if you're running a website or you're running an e-commerce site or you're actually running an app. I think execution is key and consistency execution is key. So that's something that is given at a massive advantage as PMG scaled as a company from, you know, starting by myself in 2010 to will probably be over 700 employees all organically by the end mm. of this year, which is pretty amazing. I'd really so. our, 
our ethos is focused on the execution and being agile and really as we're expanding into other channels and other strategies and really be that trusted business guide for many of our customers it really the ability of coming from a digital native perspective has really helped us That's fantastic. That's really fantastic. Um, so going off one of the things you ended with, you've been helping guide businesses kind of into this modern age, into a new digital landscape. Um, we talked earlier and you mentioned that there were, you know, a new skill set needed for brand marketers to excel in the market as it exists today. Um, what are you seeing as you're helping these businesses? What are the skills that are currently missing that, that brands really need to pay attention to? Yeah, excellent question. And yeah, we had a really good discussion about that. I think uh, with the pandemic and the acceleration toward digital and e-commerce, regardless of what the industry is, right? We were looking at retail and travel and then technology were some of the first industries that e-commerce started disrupting or accelerating, however you want to look at it. But with the pandemic happening, every single business got disrupted, regardless of what category you are. The ability to connect with your audiences in the digital perspective became paramount to survivor, not just success. And that really changed the need of who are the people that are working inside of the organization from the top to the bottom of the organization. I would say prior to the pandemic, a lot of our conversations were with the VPs, CMOs in most organizations during the pandemic and right now. I mean, I'm having weekly conversations with the CAO, with the CFO of global public companies, right? Why? Because they want to know from a digital perspective where they're going and how they're continuously connecting with their consumers, regardless where they are. And with that, the most paramount part to digital is data. And so one of the skill set is becoming absolutely necessary. It's like almost like speaking a language or knowing how to write is having basic understanding of data analytics and data-driven marketing. I think that's super important, regardless of what level you are, what title or what function in the organization. The second thing is really understanding how the full funnel from a consumer connection actually works. And so it's no longer important just to have a connection with your consumers inside your stores or inside on your website, but also if you're a retailer and you sell on Amazon, what is that experience on Amazon from both your wholesalers and everything else? What is it with other retailers? If people interact with your products or services somewhere else, like how do you cohesively understand and genuinely connect with the consumers at every touch point has become very uh, important. And so again, what one of the skills that we're seeing a lot of our customers are looking for into the new generations of uh, brand marketers on their side is really understanding digital, really understanding e-commerce, and really making sure that every marketing dollar at every brand interact interactions it's accountable to the business. So the ability to measure and understand how things are working no longer just having brand sentiment or brand equity long-term is the key to measurement. It's really understanding what are those micrometrics and how they're driving the business forward and how they're enticing and enlightening the consumers every day becomes very, very important. Yeah, and I just have to say for our regular listeners, 
I feel like a lot of what you just said encapsulates what maybe like a half a dozen guests have kind of given little bits and pieces of. So really, if you missed any of that, run it back right now, grab a notebook and jot it down because he kind of gave the whole game away in that thing. You know, it's the holistic nature of the, the customer journey. It's understanding that word's very big now marketers for the longest time have wanted to know i want to know where my customers are. i want to know it's about understanding things change too much for you to ever know so it's understanding data understanding digital and focusing on the whole customer journey uh george that's just gold so thank you very much my friend if you wouldn't mind i would like to get a little selfish now and ask about my favorite topic in the entire world and that is innovation and pmg actually views innovation through three horizons. And, you know, anytime I hear that a company or an organization has an organized mindset and an organized approach to innovation, I know they're already, already ahead of the game. So uh, could you explain what those three horizons are and how they influence your business strategy? Yeah, you know, it's a framework that's being used into, uh, into business for a very, very long time. We've kind of taken our twist and adopted it specifically uh, to PMG. And so we look at everything we do and investments we, we make, both short-term and long-term, from those three horizons, right? And our goal is, is, is to really build an ambidextrous organization, one that can exploit, meaning horizon one, what are the opportunities that we have right now? And in, if we're in the media space, in the agency, that could be Meta or Google Search or you know, shopping or, you know, e-commerce strategy, and then uh, explore. And these are horizon three type of initiatives that maybe we believe are actually going to come up in the next, you know, uh, 18 to 36 months. They're kind of not here right now, but it's important for us as a company that we have to make these investments if they come so we can really bring it as a part of the strategy for our customers. And that's really exploring. So it's very hard for many companies and we've seen throughout history, you know, I'm a student of companies and their innovation cycles and, you know, from being successful to being disrupted, which we know technology is there. How do you build this ambidextrous organization, which is at the same time has the ability to exploit what we can do today, but also explore. And so for us is we're cons consistently making investment based on that like how we are making our current product offerings the best it can be in terms of for our customers and everything else and that is really making sure we do very good and innovative ways of how we partner with our current publishers but also i mean a very popular topic right now is the metaverse and for us that would be in a horizon three bucket and that would be you know we know it's coming nobody really knows there's many misconceptions of what it could be we've seen many brands some successfully some unsuccessfully try to play with it but it's something that we as a company are investing resources technologies and everything else to make sure if it comes here we can provide those services and solution not just as a part of pmg but for the rest of our customers and horizon two is that part of innovations of things that we know they're coming but maybe we're not going to dedicate all of our time, energy, and services today, but we're very mindful for that. And then within that, as you get into Horizon 2 and Horizon 3, there's different ways to do that. I think for Horizon 3 specifically, you know, you can build a skunk work inside of organization, which we've seen many agencies do that, where they're actually dedicating a small group and going exploring like a metaverse or some, some topics 
a similar to it. The other option is through an acquisition, right? Maybe find somebody that's an expert that really is focusing on that and actually bring them as a part of the organization. And third one is really creating a company that maybe is separate from you as a standalone entity that can go and explore that particular topic on its own to be successful. And so what really excites me, one of the ways we do innovation across the three horizon is we enlist our whole company. And so every year, we write not just a one-year strategy, but a three-year strategy. And we have a whole section in our strategy document, which we call big bets. And then through trial and error and feedback across the organization, we're constantly saying, okay, what are the next four or five bets, either from a technical perspective or an investment perspective, we as a company are going to take on and make sure that we believe in it. Now, it's just as important as I tell my team to be wrong as it's to be right. Because if you're constantly right, you're not really innovating and challenging yourself. Yeah, you're so inching a, out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're inching out. So as a CEO and particularly my CFO, I had to get them on board for a while that hey, we, some of the investments and the money we're actually going to uh, put uh, behind this is not going to work out. But the learning and really being there is super important. And so if we fast forward or if we go backwards, actually, and we look at it, in 2011, one of our Horizon 3 investments was to build our data warehouse. We actually suck in all of the media and marketplace data and then build alien intelligence. And we spent tens of millions of dollars. And that's an investment that really was a great investment. I'd you know, say, in 2000, it's a bet that paid off, I bet. It is a great bet that paid off. Uh, I think another investment uh, we made was more of a Horizon to Horizon 3 was our focus on Amazon and marketplaces. And actually we had a lot of learnings. We more we made it more of a skunk works. And then we realized like, no, we actually should even put more of an investment and everybody should learn from it. So we've had our learnings of, we've had the right topics, but how we've approached them into how we invest and go after them has been just as important as a part of this process. And so given we're in the digital transformation and innovation space, it is very important for us to stay on the cutting edge ahead of our customers. Mm-hmm. And and one of the things you just said actually kind of brought it all the way back to your um, beginning as a digital native. Execution is so important. So it's not just what you're picking, it's how you're investing, how you're making that bet. And just another thing I want to throw back, I've never heard of it described as uh, ambidextrous. Uh, but that is the perfect way to describe people are always thinking about short-term long-term as either or, and it's a balancing game. You need to, it's even more than balancing. It just needs to be done. Both of the needs need to be served. Um, so that's just phenomenal. If you wouldn't mind, I'd like to pivot just a little bit on something that's been in the news for a few months, uh, because I think that you, of anybody's opinion, I'd like yours on this, because PMG has led AdAge's best places to work list for the last two years. Right now, we're in the midst of what the experts are calling the great resignation. People are leaving companies in droves. That idea of work first, everything second is just out the window. So for somebody who is fostered a culture that makes people want to stick around. What are you seeing through all of this? What are your thoughts? Actually, believe it or not, when the pandemic started, I went to Google and searched for how could you lead during pandemic uh, while everybody being remote across the globe. And, and I couldn't find any playbook or any manual because it did not exist. And so, you know, one of the ways that we approach that 
is kind of go back and look at our values. And I think our first two values, the first one is always do the right thing. Integrity and honesty is at the heart of everything we do. And the second one is this concept of always change for the better and continuous improvement and Kaizen, which is a word my team hears from me all the time, is this mantra of how can we make this work great, but how do we continuously involve and make it better in the spirit of the ambidextrous organization and being in digital where agility is important. I believe it's a living, breathing organism for us to be able to do that. And so the first thing we did is we went and looked at the value. And I think what those values led us to believe and what we decided to do is that regardless of how painful was at the beginning, we committed to all of our employees during the pandemic. We said none of our employees are going to lose any of their uh, employment throughout 2020 and make sure that that's important for us to really keep them and give them that mental safety and security as we go through it. But I think that the, some of the most important tips I can share with people is first, listen and be open to feedback. It is so hard as a leader to basically hear feedback and then downside it and say, I don't understand. But as a working dad, and you know, I have an amazing and very supportive wife that also works, and we have three beautiful children. I mean, right from the get-go, right? Not being able to have your kids go to school and everything else. And so I started looking at the home friends to like, wow, like how do we support our working parents? And so we, we in the spirit of our values, like, what is the right thing for us to be able to do that? The second thing we looked at, we had so many employees, a lot in New York and Austin and other places where they're in a small apartment. Now they're locked in. Like, what could we do, uh, do to be able to support them? And so one of the mantra for us was be flexible and give your employees flexibility. And I said, you know, if you can give us 20 hours, great. If you need to take some mental time off, great. If you need to do other things, great. And then the second thing outside of being open to constant feedback and being transparent with your employees and making sure that, that they feel heard is really giving people grace. And I constantly on Slack, on my videos, which I do every Friday story employees, I constantly remind people like your first words out of your mouth, if you're on a one-on-one -on -one meeting or on an internal meeting or on a customer meeting, like how you are doing, how are things going? Because we go right, used to jump straight into work and nothing else matter. And we never really understood what was people's mental states. And now more than ever, people are dealing with many issues where they're locked one or six, or they know somebody that's in the hospital, or, you know, they're stuck at home, or, you know, you know, I'm, I'm so happy that in our industry specifically, we're talking more and more about mental health and mental well-being and mental wellness and really supporting people. But really, you know, this pandemic has been extremely hard on everybody. So really giving people grace and showing up there as a human first before jumping into work have been very important. So I would say those two things have been really one of the ways that we've really shown for our people. Regarding your grade resignation question, I mean, we're all dealing it with. I think PMG has been very blessed that since inception, I mean, our attrition rate was less than 10%, which is, uh, you know, phenomenal as a business for a people-first business. But, you know, some of the people that are leaving us are, are leaving us. I mean, we, some people decide to move to Vermont and be maple farmers or, you know, like change careers completely. And I think we got to be understanding and supportive from that perspective. And so people are really rethink what do they want to do with their lives or where they want to spend their time. And our industry is challenging. I mean, it's demanding. It's constantly changing. It, there's a lot of work related to it and everything else. And so I think we fared a lot better than most companies. But the great resignation, it's also the great reshuffle of people 
changing priorities. And it's our job as leaders, regardless of what industry we're in, to really make our companies a great accommodating place for all types of people, right? Working parents, individual, new graduate, professionals that want to accelerate their career, people that only want to work remote. I think flexibility and being very open, I think it continues to be uh, very important for many people. Just so well said, and now very much not a shock uh, why you continue to wind up uh, atop at Age's Best Places to Work list. So again, I guess this is just a big pivot, but you said it, we got to be agile. In 2022, we got to be agile. So we're going to jump again, and I actually would love to take a little bit of a closer look at two of those horizons of innovation, if you wouldn't mind. What are the the characteristics, the trends, the technologies that winning companies in this year and maybe the next year, what are the focuses that the winners are going to really be leaning into? Well, we have to start with agility. If we do a word cloud in our podcast, I think agility will probably come up about 15 times, but I got to stay true to myself and something I believe. I wrote a piece about agility is our superpower and why that is important in companies and really talked about agility in how winning companies are structured, how they're planning marketing and media, how they're uh, partnering with where they sell from a customer perspective and the consumer side. I think agility is something that is super important and, and it's across everything, right? We live in a world with privacy is changing very quickly. Uh, you know, we did not travel. People want to get back together and travel. Obviously we have a lot of challenges now with the war of Ukraine, which is absolutely horrendous. And then the ongoing inflations and supply chain issues that are happening uh, across the board. And so it, we've seen many of our customers and just kind of across industries that many of top in class companies have to be very agile and have the ability to pivot very quickly across many of these topics. So I would say that definitely is number one. Number two, I think the winning companies will get a pretty good grasp of their consumer behavior, insights, and data. And what I mean by data specifically is really connect a lot more genuinely with their consumers across platforms and everything else. And so we've really seen, uh, you know, brands apps on the increase significantly, brands building communities and memberships so they can more directly and more genuinely connect with, uh, with their consumers. And the third thing, I would say less reliance on the big data and big publishers. I think so much of our industry and their amazing partners to, to us as well, but a lot of the companies will have optionality beyond the, you know, the really big platforms to really understand and directly be able to connect with their consumers. I would say those three things are some of the ingredients. If I'm here and planning across business, uh, one being agility, second, how do I more genuinely connect with my consumers uh, would be probably on my radar. Now I would love to go a little further into the future and actually something that you brought up earlier in this podcast, I'd love to get your take on it, the metaverse. So this has been hugely buzzing, uh, which means that it's been developing under the, under the current for uh, quite some time. What in your mind is the future for the metaverse? Because right now, Web3 is not really the metaverse. It's kind of like AI is not really artificial human intelligence. It's automation. 
metaverse right now is like the idea and the seeds planting. Where do you see this heading and where do you see brands playing a role in it? I saw a great post on Twitter a time ago and I said the greatest marketing and brand exercise was whoever rebranded cryptocurrency to Web 3.0 because it sounds much cooler, right? Because that's really <laughs> where Web 3.0 today is. And so whoever did that was a brilliant branding exercise. Uh, listen, this is very timely. First on the Web 3.0 crypto, and then I'll talk briefly about the metaverse. We're seeing the importance of decentralized currencies and everything else. And I mean, specifically now in timely, we know this is for the right reasons, but if you're in Russia, you cannot use Visa, you cannot use MasterCard, you cannot transact with any central bank. And so really the way to actually buy goods are completely disrupted for a lot of the people that live in their country and everything else. And so we're seeing really kind of as globalization and things has happened, uh, having things beyond just currencies and conducting business on it are become very important. And you know, I believed in early in cryptocurrencies. I think that's continue uh, going to happen. But specifically on the metaverse, I mean, we're seeing uh, uh, both the virtual and the physical world continue to merge. And there is great applications beyond just marketing. I think we need to think about it from a training, from education, from surgeries for doctors and everything else. And so we always have to accept, we always think about as marketers, just the marketing, but there's some incredible you know, applications of the metaverse and everything else that really are helping people from an everyday perspective, which is uh, great. But specific from a marketing perspective, it will really be a different way for brand to connect with their consumers. And so as a father of three, I mean, I see my kids spend a lot of time on Roblox and, and Minecraft and things like that. And that's the world they know. And that's really, you know, them interacting with themselves and talking to their friends. And like, they're literally sitting in the same room instead of having a conversation, they are having a conversation in the virtual world, right? Through Minecraft or through Roblox and everything else. And so I believe it's here to stay. I believe that it will be um, much lower than people are projecting. I think there will be a lot more adoption, but I think it's more of a horizon to things. I think people like we're kind of rushing. I don't think we've seen all of the development of the application of what's going to happen with the metaverse. I think brands should be mindful. We've advised a lot of our brands to test and do different things because it's a good way to connect with younger consumers and really get your bread in front of them. But also there is a risk of being too early and also really jumping into it because we don't have good measurement. We don't have the right infrastructure. It's the virtual world. So if you're thinking about brand safety and everything else, there's not a lot of controls as relate to it. And so I think it's a super important part. I believe that uh, it's going to continue to be uh, important for us as marketers, but I believe it will probably take three to five years before we see that aha moment versus where we are today. I think you're spot on. I think that, yeah, there's a lot of excitement around it, um, but to really develop into something where it's going to take what might be its rightful place in like the, you know, platforms and 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 channels and just parts of our lives. Yeah, we're still uh, a few years out, but just some really great things to, to kind of take into consideration. And uh, something that you just touched on is that I realize now that Gen Z is going to get the metaverse much easier than any of us are because they have something to actually con compare it to. It's like Fortnite, but for everything, you know, <laughs> as you were saying, like Roblox, Fortnite, I was like, 
oh, they're going to get the metaverse. Eat like that's going to be no problem for the next generation. So marketers, if you think this is all too uh, complicated, just remember back and um, how you originally thought about QR codes. I'm just going to leave that there. Um, George, I'm going to ask a question that, uh, that we ask all of our guests, because I think that this topic is inextricably linked to innovation. Uh, you can't innovate in an echo chamber. So George, what are your thoughts on diversity, equity, and inclusion? You know, very important dear to me personally, right? As somebody that's moved over from overseas and uh, lived in the United States now for a while, and I'm glad to see our industry and, and the world around us kind of wake up as it relates to diversity, equity, inclusion. You know, at PMG, we talk about a culture of belonging inclusion in diversity right it, it's really having that culture and I, and I love that you tied it to innovation because i think about it the same way and i think it's uh at pmg we have a long way to go i think as an industry we have a long way to go uh i think we are doing a lot and making this as a forefront as a part of our evergreen uh strategies we talk about from an h1 perspective how do we uh change the way we hire the way we recruit the way we develop you know, our marketing and events team is an exceptional job about having external speakers every single month that continue to educate us of what we can do better. I think a lot of the stuff we're doing is led by our employee resource group, which are really pushing us on that Kaizen, that second value of outside of always doing the, the right thing, always changing for the better, which has been amazing. And then really making sure for us, we make a bigger impact, not just from diversity, equity, inclusion, but a huge focus for us this year has been our planet and so i would add also kind of our planet on top of that i know there are two different type of initiatives but i think as we're kind of seeing the weather and the climate and everything else we need to think about we gotta leave the world a better place but then specifically to innovation the part i'm very passionate about is i'm seeing a lot of companies think of uh, diversity equity inclusion from that horizon one thing like what can i do today to me immediately make some changes. And unfortunately, there's a lot we can do, which is great. But unfortunately, if you wanna make a big dent, we gotta take a horizon three to take my philosophy, a long-term approach to some of those things. And I think that's where the biggest opportunity we see and one that we work with PMG internally, but also a lot with our customers. And I think for me, one of the subjects I'm very passionate about is education. And so one of the programs we are running is with a local community college, we're about to announce this, we're actually partnering into upskilling, you know, minorities and underrepresented classes in data and media technology. And we have a five-year goal of doing this for thousand plus students. We're burdening the cost. We're gonna help them get find jobs and everything else. But if we wanna talk about having more people in leadership, from a diversity and, and, and a representation, that's one way to do it. And we're really starting to challenge our customers to think the, the same way. I see a lot of our customers are really, and potential customers focusing on where do we spend media dollars. I think that's important, but I think there is much more we can do. I think we need to take a long-term view on this, not the short-term view. And I think what worries me, some of the tactics and strategy I see in our industry are very short-term focus. And so I believe that we should talk about it. What are those five to 10 year investments we're gonna make? Because when it comes, that's how we can make big step changes in our industry. And so I would love not just of what we're doing with PMG, but our industry to not just only commit, here's what we're doing this year, next year, but what are those five, 10 years commitments and how we drastically change 
you know, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, not just in our industry, but really in our society. Uh, that's, that's amazing. And I'm going to make this, I'm just going to make it official right now. Anybody listening to this podcast, you don't get to complain about how hard diversity, equity, inclusion is anymore. Put your money where your mouth is. That's the action. That is, oh, the pipeline is hard to, f- well, then help fill the pipeline. So I think that that's amazing. I think you're 100% right. I think that so many in the industry are looking at this, like, how can we fix the symptoms? There is a root cause and you go to the root yes. cause and you're going to the root cause. So just kudos to you. Just really, really awesome stuff. Yeah. Actions over words, you know, that's just, that's it every time. So just good on you. And I think that's one of your big bets. That's going to pay off exponentially. It's the right thing to do. I think it's beyond payoff. Sometimes we look on things on the ROI and, you know, one of our mantra is digital made for humans. And this is around digital made for good, but it's important for all of us to leave the, the world a much better place than it was before. And I think it will be really rewarding if, if you make those really big bets to kind of look back 15, 20 years now and feel like you made a small, big dent. And if all of us do it and all of us focus, I think you add it all up, will absolutely make an exceptional impact to the world. And I think that's important. And we owe it to ourselves to do it. Let's go. I can't add anything to that. George, you've learned German while learning coding. You've started your own company that has now grew to 700 employees, probably over that by the end of this year. But can you answer this next question? Are you ready for this next question, George? I'm nervous. I'm ready. (laughs) That was the desired effect. George Pop Stefanov, CEO and founder of PMG. What is your favorite album of all time and why? This is super easy question. Oh me. man, I just thought that build up. All right, whatever. What's your favorite <laughs> album? Uh, Legend by Bob Marley. I'm a huge Bob Marley fan. I know, I know. Uh, and the reason why is obviously, uh, I believe Bob was ahead of his time. I mean, obviously he, he believed in, people's rights and liberties and uniting people and to song and music like really he transcended across uh countries and you know across the world and it's some since i was young and i was exposed to him i absolutely loved the message of a lot of his uh, songs and what it meant and and everything else and so you know my third son is named james marley i think one love was the song my wife and i danced at our wedding uh you know, I sing my kids three little birds as they were kind of little kids. So obviously I'm very, very connected to Bob and Legend. So that's a pretty easy question. Oh, and such a good answer. Um, there was honest to goodness uh, about a stretch of two years of my life. I think I was about 13 and 14 where I didn't listen to anything other than Legend by Bob Marley. It's just legitimately wall to wall, unskippable. Everything's an absolute classic there are live versions on there that are better than some of the greatest bands I've ever done in a studio. Good answer. Really good answer, George. Um, That's awesome. So, well, you've already crushed the hard one. So I'm just going to slide this over as a nice fun way to, to end the podcast. But before we do, if there are listeners out there who want to know more about you and more about PMG, where can we point them? PMG.com is our website. It really talks about, um, 
our company, our kind of our mission, our vision, our values, and what we were set out to do. Uh, I think what we do is a uh, team sport. We work as a team. So there's less about me and more about us at PMG and how we work together. So PMG.com is a great place to learn more about us. There you go. Before we let you go, I just want to bring it up to today. What are you listening to now, whether it be an artist, a song, a podcast, maybe it's a book. Uh, what's really interesting you today and why? You know, one of my favorite podcasts to listen to is how I build this. And uh, I think the main reason why I think in our roles, it's important to have this continuous learning mindset. And so it's always interesting to to learn through other people's businesses. And so I believe uh, Kairas does a great job of interviewing people and then kind of the story and, and every story is much different. I'm, you know, I'm an entrepreneur and founders and, and it's just been amazing. And so I, I probably listened to that the most on my run. And then my books uh, change. I just picked up again, Martian was one of the, the, the book, of, uh, which there was a movie made about it. And obviously I, I love math, I love data, I love technology and problem solving. And I think the, the book, if nobody's read it, if they've seen the movie, I think it's 10 times better than the actual movie, the actual book, which really talks about all the logic and the reasoning of how this abandoned uh, astronaut survives on Mars, right? Like, you know, with potatoes and everything else. And so I think those are the most recent things that one I'm listening to and kind of reading right now. Love it. Love it. A two for one recommendation to our listeners. Well, George, thank you so, so much for taking some time to chat with us on the Marketing Futures Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Marketing Futures Podcast. Have an idea for a topic or guest for a future episode? Shoot us a note at marketingfutures at ana.net. Be sure to subscribe to the Futures Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, if you're looking to get smart on the future, point your browsers to ana.net slash futures.